Amen. We're in a series entitled The Walk, as you've just seen. This is our fourth week in this series. We've got today and then two more weeks. And we're, we're talking about walking with God, what it means to be in a relationship with God where God can be involved in every area of our lives. You know, some people have a philosophy of God that they, they visit God now and then. The truth of the matter is God doesn't want to just visit with us now and then. He wants to be involved in everything that we do. He wants us to learn to walk with him because he wants to walk with us. And it's, it's mutual. That's what a relationship is. And we've been teaching on this. And we've been talking about the fact that if you don't know what the Bible says about who we are in Christ, then we'll never become everything God wants us to be in Christ. So we need to know what Scripture says about it. So today, we're going to ask the question and give you at least two or three good answers to the question, what do I do with this Bible? How many of you will be honest this morning and say, you know, when I first looked at the Bible and opened it up, it was intimidating. How many be honest? Okay. My hand went up first. I've been in church my whole life. I've had a Bible since before I could read. How many of you know you're really religious if you had a Bible since before you could read? Uh, I had an uncle in the Navy when I was a little bitty kid. He gave me his Navy Bible, little Navy New Testament. Had it for many, many, many years. And the thing is, when you get a Bible and you look at it, you say, wow, there's a lot to that. When I was a, a kid, when you got a Bible, you know, it wasn't like it is today where it's on your phone or it's on your iPad, some a device where it's just kind of, you know, locked away in an app. When I was a kid and they gave you a Bible, they gave you a big, thick, honking Bible that you could carry around and wave and tell everybody, I am a Christian. But it was amazing growing up in church, I didn't really understand what to do with that Bible. The Bible can be really intimidating. So let's answer a few questions today. Number one, what is the Bible? The word Bible comes from a Greek word, biblos, that simply means book. So when you say Bible, you're really saying book. And every Bible I think I've ever looked at, either on the cover or somewhere on the inside page, it will say the Holy Bible, which means the holy book. It's a book that points us to holiness, completeness in God. It's God's book to speak to us the truth of the matter is the bible is really unique and really special because the bible is not just one book it's actually 66 books put together 39 in the old testament 27 in the new testament in these books you'll find history you'll find poetry you'll find songs you'll find letters and you'll even hear the vision of the apocalypse and the end times of what will happen in the future there are at least 40 authors who've contributed to the writings in the Bible. Some were shepherds, some were fishermen, some were warriors, some were priests, some were prophets, kings, even a physician, a scholar. And one book was even written by the cupbearer or the butler to a king. Something as amazing as the Bible could only have been orchestrated and compiled by the leading of the Spirit and the hand of God. But the question today is, so what do I do with this Bible? I believe in God and I believe this is his book, so what do I do with this Bible? Well, let me give you a little bit of an answer up front that will get us started. Read it. Read it. Study it. Digest it. 
Verses that are really important to you in your heart, memorize those verses until the Bible becomes a part of your life. And I'm going to be talking about that this entire morning. What is the Bible? What is the Bible? It's a book that God has given us to reveal himself to us. Second question, why is the Bible important? Well, let's look at some scripture this morning and see what God himself said about his word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, look at verse number 16. And I want us to take a couple of minutes to dissect two verses of Scripture. Verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, pause here a minute. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. What it's saying is the Spirit of God inspired people to write these words. It was God's hand at work through people. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The actual literal translation of this is, all Scripture is God-breathed. When you read Scripture, it's God going, breathing His breath into your life. Remember when God created Adam, first man, when God created in the Garden of Eden, He created man, and Scripture says, He breathed the breath of life into man, and man became a living soul. So what God says is, my scriptures, my word, what I give to you, this book, if you'll open it up, this will bring the breath of God into your life. Let's read on. It's given by inspiration of God and it's profitable. How many of you know that this book will bless your life and bring profit into your life? It's profitable. God said, my word is profitable. To do what? For reproof. It shows me when I'm on a wrong pathway. For correction, it will show me how to make adjustments to get on the right pathway. For instruction in righteousness. What it's saying is it will show you what is right. It'll show you what is wrong. It'll show you what God approves of, what God disapproves of. And you know, a couple of illustrations as I begin this message. You know, every now and then I talk to somebody who's got questions about God and questions about the Bible. And you know, I... I'm not a theologian. I'm not the guy who's going to argue with somebody for an hour. You know, I'm going to tell you what God's Word says, and you can take it or leave it. That's kind of how I am. But, you know, every now and then I get a chance to talk to somebody who asks questions. And one of the questions I always ask people is, if God would send His Son to die for our sins, then wouldn't God use some, something to try to get that message to us? And once we respond to that message, and once we become the children of God, do you really think that God's just going to abandon you and say, okay, try to figure it out, and maybe I'll see you when you die? No. Don't you think God would give us some kind of instruction for this life and for the life to come, how to get there? Absolutely. And that's why he's given us his word. He didn't abandon us. He gave us information that would lead us into a lifestyle that allows us to walk with him. And I love these verses of Scripture. Verse number 17, let's look at the next verse together, right out of 2 uh, Timothy 3. That the man of God or the woman of God, the child of God, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God has given us his word to equip us, to complete us, to make us whole, that we can understand what is of God, what is not of God. Where does God want to lead me? How will God lead me? What does God want me to do? It all begins with knowledge of his word. Now, everybody in this room knows what it is to have an automobile or 
even the teenagers, to have a bicycle or a computer or something where you got it and you had to look at the manual to try to figure out how everything works. My wife got a, got a car not too long ago. It, it's got a navigation system, which you know, a lot of cars have nav systems now, but the whole thing is touchscreen. I mean, I've almost wrecked her car nine times driving down the road trying to figure out how everything works. And it would probably help if I'd just stop and read the manual. Probably might even save my life. But I'm a man. How many men? How many know men don't need a manual? They don't need instructions. They'll figure it out, you know. When we get finished building something, there'll be parts left over, but they probably weren't important anyways. It doesn't matter. That's how a lot of people do life with God. They never read the manual to find out what God says about life. God's given us this book to understand him, to reveal himself to us and reveal to us what he's trying to do in our lives. So why is the Bible important? Well, first of all, the Bible is God's word. It's inspired by God. It's God-breathed, and it will bring life into our lives. We also find that the Bible is our rule and our guide for living. It's useful. It's a map. It brings directions for daily successful living. It's also our highest authority on all subjects. God word, God's Word addresses everything that's important for you to know in life. And it's the highest authority on those subjects. And finally, God's Word offers solutions for all of life's problems. God's Word is so important to us, and we need to learn and know God's Word. Look at Isaiah chapter 55. I want to show you a second passage of Scripture here. It's really important. Isaiah 55. I want to look on the screen, if you would, at verse number 8. God said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. How many of you already knew that? You kind of had that figured out already. But God wanted to remind us, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Sometimes we don't think like God. As a matter of fact, naturally, we don't think like God at all because his thoughts are not natural man's thoughts. He goes on to say, nor are your ways my ways. Now, now put these two things together, thoughts and ways, thoughts and actions that we take based upon those thoughts. See, a lot of us say, oh, well, my actions are wrong, God's not happy. Well, maybe it's because we've not stopped to find out what God thinks about things because if we can think like God, then we can begin to act like God and walk in his paths. His ways are his paths, his roads. God said, your thoughts are not my thoughts and your ways are not my ways. Then look at the next verse, verse number 9. He says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Okay, I understand that. I get that. So what do I need to know next? Look at the next verse. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, they do not return there, but they water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, Next verse, 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Now, what he's saying here is, he said, let me give you an example from nature, a natural law. 
God said, I send rain upon the earth. I put snow on the mountaintops to put water in the earth, to water the earth so that the crops may be watered, the seed may grow. And when those crops are watered and the seed grows and it finishes its process, you have a harvest and the whole cycle starts all over again. There is bread to eat and there's more seed to sow. But he says, in the same way as I send the natural rain and the natural snow for a purpose, he said, I've given you my word for a purpose. That it can be seed in your life. It can be planted in your heart. It can begin to grow and mold you and shape you and prepare you for a better future than you could have ever created by yourself. So God said, I've given you my word. You need to use it. You need to use it. John 1.1 says that God and his word are one. God and his word are one. You want to know who God is? Read his word. You want to know what God's like? Read his word. You want to know what God thinks about different things? Read his word. That's why it's there. To inform us, to give us his knowledge of how he thinks and how he travels and how he acts. Matthew 24 says that God's word does not change. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will never pass away. It's dependable. You can build your life on it. Jesus even said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he said, the man who builds his life on my word, when the storms come, he'll be safe. But if you don't build on that rock of the word and you build on your own sand, when the storms come, they will wash you away. The wise man builds his life in his house on the word of God. So we need to learn God's Word. One more passage of Scripture. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to look at verse number 12. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the Word of God is, read these next three words with me, living and powerful. Now, some of you didn't read with me, okay? We got to do it till the whole class gets it right together, okay? For the word of God is living and powerful. If there was one thing that I would want to get across to you today in this message, it's the fact that this is not dead, dry ink on paper. To some people it is. To some theologians it is. They wrestle with it and argue with it and say, I don't believe it. That's fine. But it doesn't change the fact that this is God's word to us. This is what reveals God to us. What we will know in this lifetime, we will know by this word and what the Holy Spirit says in confirmation of it. The word of God is living. It's alive and it's powerful. Now let's read on. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, now pause here a moment because in our Society today, you know, a two-edged sword doesn't really mean much to us because, you know, we're not into swords. At least most of us aren't into swords. You can't even take them on airplanes anymore, you know. So, kind of, I mean, what good's a sword? But in the day of the language of the Bible, the sword was important. The soldiers had swords. And one of the things that soldiers did, they spent a lot of time during the day sharpening those swords and keeping those swords razor sharp. So when they had to go to battle, they were prepared and they Slice and dice, you know, like Zorro, leave your mark and move on down the road. They had sharp, sharp, sharp swords for battle. But it says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Well, why is that? Here's why. Piercing even to the division 
of soul and spirit. Again, pause here. The Word of God is so alive, so powerful, so sharp, that it cuts through all the baloney, all the nonsense, all the arguments that people have, and it just slices straight through to the heart of the issue, and it exposes what is the soulish, mindful thinking of man and the emotional thinking of man and what is the actual truth that comes from the Spirit of God. It slices and dices to show you the truth. I'll get into that more in a few minutes. The Word of God is alive. So here's the thing about God's Word. There's not a time that I don't sit down with an open heart and open up this book and begin to slowly read and just ask God to speak to me. There's not a time that I don't see something that addresses some things right there in my heart that I need to know about my life and about my future. Understanding about God. It slices and dices. Why? Because it's alive. And it's powerful. God sent it to accomplish things. And what we read a few minutes ago out of Isaiah 55, God said, if I send my word to do something, it's not going to return to me empty and void. It's going to accomplish what I sent it forth to do. Let me tell you something. God's word will do exactly what God said it will do if you'll open your heart and receive it. It'll do it. It'll do it because it's alive and it's powerful. And it separates things. And, you know, I think... For me, and I'll just give you my own personal illustration. From my background, I grew up in church my whole life. When I was a teenager, I began to make my commitment to God. When I was a late teenager, 18, 19, I really, really committed everything to God and began to try to learn how to walk with God. But I'm going to tell you something. I grew up in a church where all I learned about God was thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. All I got was rules and regulations, pretty much. Now, there was a few exceptions. But most of it was just don't, 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 don't. How many, how many know what I'm talking about? Did you come from a background like that? Don't, don't, don't. A lot of my friends ran from God because they thought God didn't know how to say yes. All God could do was turn his head sideways. But here's the thing. A lot of people in our world today say, well, I sure don't want religion. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If you don't want religion, then this is the book for you because it is so sharp. It will slice and dice, and it will show you what is religion and what is the Word of God. It will show you what is, what is true and what is of man. It will expose what is wrong. It will walk you out of legalism, and it will free you up to walk in a relationship with God who loves you. And that's what he's trying to do. That's why he's given us his Word. Third question, what will the Bible do for me? Let, me? let me just tell you a few things that the Bible will do. By the way, uh, Pastor Corey has been taking your teenagers through this very same study that we're doing on Sunday mornings, week by week by week. It's awesome. And the, the kids are learning what it means to walk with God because we don't want them to have religion. We want them to have a relationship with God. And I'm so happy that the teenagers are in here today. Because I want them to learn the importance of God's Word. Now, let's walk through some things real quickly. What will the Bible do for me? First of all, 1 Peter 2 and 2 says, As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. The first thing that the Word will do, it will cause us to grow and mature spiritually. It will cause me to spiritually grow and spiritually mature. Can I tell you something? You are not going to grow and you're not going to become mature without knowing this. You're just not. You're just not. The Word helps me 
grow. It's like milk that you give to a baby. It causes you to grow, and then it becomes meat that you can chew on that really brings more protein and life into you. The Word of God takes you right where you are and gives you what you need for that moment if we'll open our hearts to it. It'll cause us to grow. And here's what I found. You show me somebody, even in the church, you show me somebody who is really, really immature and running around always offended and always critical and getting upset. You show me somebody like that, and I'll show you somebody who is spiritually immature, therefore they're physically, emotionally, naturally immature. Spiritual maturity will make you mature in every other area of life because that's why God has given us his word, to grow us up. Another thing, the second thing, God's word will teach me truth and it will liberate me. Let me read a passage of scripture out of John 8. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, now get this, if you abide in my word, if you live in my word and let this become your life and shape your life, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. What does a disciple do? A disciple sits at the feet of a teacher, learns the teachings, and then learns to live in those teachings. Jesus said, if you will abide in my word, you will become my disciple. Then he said this, next verse, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Interesting passage of Scripture. Now, many of you have heard it, whether you're churched or not, you've heard it many times. The truth will make you free. The truth will make you free. The truth will make you free. That's only half of what Jesus said. And a lot of Christians don't understand that. And a lot of people live in bondage to religion and religious ideas because they never learn all that Jesus said. Jesus said, if you will live in this word and let this word mold and shape your life, you become a follower, a disciple. Then as you get a handle on the truth, you'll know the truth. Now, listen, stay with me. You'll know the truth. We live in a world today and in a society today that is increasingly teaching us, and especially our children, they're telling us there are no absolute truths, that truth is all relevant to the situation. Jesus said, if you stay in the Word, you will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. It's the truth that shows us what is right, what is wrong, that liberates us from falsehood, from lies, and allows us to walk with God. When we believe wrong things, it causes conflict between us and God. And a lot of us say, well, what you don't know won't hurt you. Yes, it will. In the Old Testament, God said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. We need to know what God says. He gave us this book so we can know. You can know the truth. When people run, you say, well, that, there is no absolute truth. Yes, there is. As a matter of fact, John 17, Jesus prayed for his disciples, and he prayed for people who later on would believe, talking about you and me. You know what Jesus prayed to the Father? A part of that prayer was, Father, sanctify them. We talked about sanctification three weeks ago. Sanctify them. Set them apart by your truth. You know what it is that separates us from the rest of the world? It's truth. That's part of it. It's truth. Knowing what is right, what is wrong, what is true, what is false. Jesus prayed and said, Father, separate them by your truth. And then he said, Father, your word is truth. You want to know the truth about what's important in life? It's all written right here. 
And we just need to time, take the time to see what God says about these situations of life. And the next thing, Romans 10, 17 says, the word of God will increase my faith. Anybody ever struggle with your faith? You ever run into situations that you thought, man, I, I, never, I never dreamed in my whole life I'd ever see something like this and I don't know what to do. It's even hard to believe right now in this situation. I think all of us have. You know what the answer is? The answer is God's word because faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes from the word of God. Hearing the word of God builds my faith. There will be people who walk out of this room today and you'll feel like your spiritual battery's been charged, even though I'm talking about God's word. And the reason you'll feel like it is because I've read several verses, I've explained them to you, what they mean in context, and you're going to walk out of here with your faith increased, feeling like, you know what, it's going to be okay till next Sunday. I can get by till tomorrow. I can get by to the next day. It's getting, I feel better now. Why? Because your faith is being increased. Your faith is being encouraged. But you don't have to wait till next Sunday. You can take time with God later today. You can take time with God tomorrow, every day of your life. You can take time with God in this word, and God will speak to you, and he will encourage you and build your faith if you'll set aside time to listen to him. Now, I'll get to this later in a little more detail, but one of the things that we need to do is we have got to get beyond the attitude of, I just do this to discipline myself, to make God happy, because God's going to be mad if I don't read 10 chapters today. Scripture doesn't say you're supposed to read 10 chapters a day. It doesn't even say five chapters. It doesn't even tell you how much you're supposed to read. When the word was written, it wasn't even in chapters and verses. How confused was God back then? He didn't even figure that out for theologians. As a matter of fact, think about it. As a matter of fact, some of you feel condemned because you've never read the Bible through in one year. I haven't either. I read most of it in one year, but not all of it. Well, you're just not very spiritual. No, I'm not very religious, but I'm pretty spiritual. I know some of you don't agree with that. That's okay. Here's the point I'm going to make to you. Discipline yourself to make time with God. It's not about how many chapters or how many verses you read in a day. It's whether or not you get still and listen to what God says that you need for that day. That's what's important. Because God's word will grow our faith. Next point. Another thing that God's word will do is it will change my thinking transform my life Romans 12 1 and 2 is two of my favorite verses especially verse 2 it says don't be like everybody else who's shaped by life in the world but be transformed literally it means go through a metamorphosis you've been a you've been a polywog now you're going to be a bullfrog how many of you excited about that one <laughs> go through the metamorphosis you go from one thing to the next you've been you've been a caterpillar but you're going to become a butterfly that's what it's talking about, a total change of identity. Everything changes. It says, don't be like the world, but be metamorphosized by the renewing of your minds. That word renewing literally means to renovate. You know, new construction is easy compared to renovating stuff, tearing out old stuff, fixing walls and junk in the walls and the asbestos in the ceilings and the wiring in the walls and everything else. Renovating is tough. But what God says is, if you will get into my word and let this become a part of you, it will change the way you think, and as a result, you'll begin to walk out my will for your life. You'll begin to walk into my blessings. You'll begin to see me work every day that you live. I'll be working on your behalf. But friends, hear me today. Whatever's going on in your mind, your life is going to follow. Your body is going to walk the pathways that your mind chooses. 
God said, renew your mind, renovate your mind. Don't think by the ways of the world. Don't let anybody shape your thinking except God's word because that lives, leads to ways of life and peace. God wants you to be blessed. Not only that, God's word is a necessity for my spiritual life and my development. Remember Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus said to Satan when he was tempted in the wilderness, man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I uh, was thinking this week, I'm, a, I'm not a big TV watcher. There's only two or three things I watch on TV regularly. I'm, I'm the master of the surfing. I mean, I can watch nine programs at once, and I just w- jump from one to... How many guys in the house know what I'm talking about? You know, you, you can watch... The wife's like, would you make up your mind? I did. I'm going to watch all nine of these, you know. <laughs> but have, have you noticed lately, there's like three or four TV shows now where they drop some guy or some woman or a guy and a woman, they drop them off on some deserted island or out in the middle of some rainforest or out in the middle of nowhere where there's insects and there's snakes and crocodiles and wild animals. And they they say, we're going to drop you off with nothing but a cameraman and just watch you for a few days. Have you you noticed that? And there's a whole bunch of those shows out. One of them's even got people out there no clothes on, running around naked, trying to figure out how to survive. And by the way, don't put my name in for that, okay? I'm not interested. <laughs> but they're out there, you know, I got these insect bites all over me. I haven't eaten in days. I can't find any. Oh, we're eating grubs. How many of you are excited about that one? Eating grubs, man. Going to stay alive. But it intrigues me. I flip by and see that for me. I think, I can't believe people are doing that. But I, was watching a, I was watching a program a few days ago, and they said, now, if, if they drop, if you get lost in the wilderness or lost in a a tough place out, out in, in, in an island somewhere like that, a rainforest, here's one thing you, you have to have with you to survive. And I thought, okay, if I was going to be Robinson Crusoe and you're going to shipwreck me on an island for the rest of my life and you're only going to give me one thing, what would that be? I'm thinking, would it be matches? Would it be a knife? Would it be fishing gear? For me, it'd be suntan oil because I burned, but... I thought, what was the one thing I had? And it dawned on me, the one thing I'd want is this right here. This right here. Because this is everything I need for life and godliness. Now, that's not to tell you I'm going to catch fish with this. It's not to tell you I'm going to start a fire with this. Okay, but please hear me out today. This has become my life. Because this leads me into the ways of life. That's why I read it. That's why I study it. Because I want to grow in the knowledge and the ways of God. Man will not live by bread alone. You've got to have food to eat. But what really makes us grow and flourish and live is when we learn the word of God and begin to live out the word of God. Because God's word lives into God's, God's word leads into God's blessings. It just does. Second Peter chapter 1 tells us God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And it's right here in the form of promises. For every challenge, every problem of life, God has given us a promise. But if you don't hear the word, if you don't read the word, if you don't know the word, you don't know what God's promises are for those situations. God said, you want to know what to do? Let me give you a promise. Here it is, right here. 
1 Thessalonians 2 said, God speaks to us through his word. Pretty much every day of my life, I carve out time to just sit down, open up this book. And like I told you, for me, it's not about how many chapters I can read. It's about me taking a passage of scripture and for the period of time that I have, talk to God about it, open my heart and say, God, show me, speak into my life today, mold me and shape me. It's amazing how God will use his word to do everything he said he would do if we'll just carve out time and make room for him. He'll do it. He'll do it. And I've got to tell you, 18, 20 years ago, I've told some of the story before. I went through the hardest time in my life. I had to pretty much start life over. And there were some days when I didn't know how to go on to the next moment. There were some days I got out of bed and I was ready to just quit and let everything die and just go. In my most desperate moments, I'd go to a quiet, private place and I'd open up this book and I want you to listen to me. It wasn't about five chapters or ten. It wasn't about how long I read. It was about knowing where to turn to and finding that one verse that spoke to my situation and reading that verse one word at a time for 30 minutes and meditating and thinking and talking to God about it until all of a sudden the strength of God's word began to work its way into my heart and I began to realize I can make it. I can walk this out today. I can get through this moment. God's going to be with me. He's going to walk through me with this. With all the pressure, with all the challenge, with all the problems, God is going to be here. And I learned that God's word in your darkest moment is absolutely true. But you've got to walk it out. You've got to know it. And then you walk it out. You know it, then you walk it out. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to do two things. First, I want to pray that what I've talked about today could find a place in your heart. And then second of all, I want to pray for people who are here today. You've been listening to me and you're not in a relationship with God at all. You've never really put your faith in him or maybe... Once you did, but you've been on the run and you're just miles from God, and you know it. While you've been listening to this, God's been knocking on the door of your heart telling you, I've got plans for you. I've got promises for you. There's some good things I want to do. I want to change you from the inside out. Some of you realize today that God is not about religion. It's not about here. It's about here. It's not what's between your ears. It's what God's doing in the depths, your innermost being, way down in the depths of your heart. God's knocking on your heart today and he's telling you, I want to be your God. I want to help you. I want to be your father. I want to walk with you. Just let me. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer in a couple minutes here. That'll give you a chance to open your heart to God. But I'm going to ask everybody, bow your heads. Close your eyes for a moment. Everybody in the house. Nobody moving around. I want to pray for you right now. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I don't want to live one day of my life without the promises, the guarantees, the truth of your word. I don't want to live one day of my life without you using your word to shape my thinking. And Father, I pray today in Jesus' name for everybody sitting in the sound of my voice, those watching online, those who will hear this message later on. Father, I pray right now, help us all to recognize the importance and the power, the life that's found in your word. 
God, don't let us look beyond this moment. Don't let us take this message lightly and walk away from it. But let us be challenged to sit down every day and just carve out a time in the mornings, during lunch hour, in the evening before we go to bed, sometime. Carve out time just to open up the Word and say, God, speak to me. Whether it's one verse, ten verses, a chapter, whatever it is, five chapters, whatever, Father. God, help us to understand it's not about religion, it's about relationship with you. God, there are people in this room right now going through tough times. I ask you to lead them to your word, to your promises, to help them know what you want to do for them in these moments. While heads are bowed for just one more moment, I want to ask everybody in this house to pray a prayer with me. If you've never opened your heart to God or if you're far from him today, you want God to come into your life. We're going to pray a prayer that asks Jesus to become the Lord of our lives, that recognizes him as our Savior. Just ask God to accept us as his children, that we can learn to walk with him. So I'm going to ask everybody in the house to pray this with me right out loud. Let's pray together. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe he was raised from the dead. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. So I give my life back to you. Be my Father. Teach me your ways so I can walk through life with you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a few moments, I'm going to welcome you into God's family, but there's something else I want to do. I've got just a couple of minutes to do this. One of the reasons people don't read the Bible is because they don't know where to start. They don't know where to begin. Well, there's Old Testament, what's that? There's New Testament, what's that? You know, we don't even use the word testament very much in our language today. Let me take a minute, and I wish I had 30 minutes in charts and so forth to do this with, but I don't. But let me just take a minute and give you a little bit of information. If we can learn where to start reading and where to go next, I believe we can grow in God because his word said we could. I encourage people, especially if you've not really walked with God for very long, or maybe if you're confused about some things, I, I encourage people to start in the New Testament and read through the first four books. It's what's called the Gospels. It's the good news. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all tell the story of Jesus from a little different perspective. They have similar verses. Some tell stories that some of the others don't. It's not exactly the same. Some are longer than others. It's just four different individuals' perspectives on the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. It tells his story. John's a great one. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the fourth book. John is great because each chapter kind of gives you a picture of who Jesus is and what he wants to be in your life. So I'd encourage you to start there. And then after, after that is, is what's called the Acts of the Apostles. It's the, really the history of the early church. And most of it centers around the life of First Peter and, and then Paul. And then it gives us the first few years an oversight of how the gospel spread from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and then spreading to the other uttermost parts of the earth. And then the, net, the rest of the, the New Testament is letters written by individuals in ministry. 
to churches. Most of them were written by the Apostle Paul. It's just letters to churches to help them have order in their churches and their congregations and in their lives and also to give them some doctrine and some common sense. Then you have letters also from not just Paul, but from James and John and Peter and Jude. And, and you even have the book of Revelation, which is, is a picture of the end times and God's plan for the ages. It's all there. I would encourage you. You know, most people, when they start following God, they want to read about miracles and they want to read about the end times. Can I just tell you, work your way into that slowly or you may get confused along the way. Just learn how to walk with God. You say, well, every time I open the Bible, I say, okay, God, just make it happen. And it just kind of falls open. And so my Bible falls open and I start reading there in Jeremiah. Therefore, I will cast you out of this land into a land that you do not know, neither you know your fathers. And there you shall serve other gods day and night where I will not. Oh, thank you, Lord. I'm looking forward to that one, you know. You can get so lost if you don't know the context. I'm not being smart, but I'm just telling you. That's what we do. Where do I start reading? The Old Testament is important too. The Old Testament, most of us, most of it gives us the picture of the development of mankind and civilization, and then especially the history of Israel for several hundred years as God worked in different ways. There's history there, there's poetry there, there's songs there, there's what's called the minor prophets and major prophets, all these books of prophecy about the future. And the major prophets aren't more important than the minor prophets, there's just more written about them just longer books the point is get into the bible start reading proverbs in the old testament if you got to get to the old testament read proverbs every proverb is filled with wisdom read there read the psalms it's just the cries of a heart of a man trying to follow after the heart of god if you'll open your heart and say god show me and start somewhere with the plan i promise you god will begin to speak to you day by day by day and mold and shape your life okay how many are ready to get into God's Word together? You ready for that? Hey, while we're doing this, can we just welcome people into God's family who prayed that prayer today? God bless you. Most important decision you could ever make in life. Give Pastor Corey a good hand as he comes. Yeah, can we thank Pastor Gary for such an amazing message this morning?